I'm always more in communion with what they're not saying. Like, you know, just like even last night, seeing the these kids I played basketball with when I was 16, 17, 18, right? And mm-hmm. then didn't see. And then I went off to this terrible place. They all knew about it. But then I know they can't necessarily like there's stuff that they're not asking or they they won't say or they're but they're curious about and it keeps them standoffish or, you know, there's that because I, I don't like elephants in the room. Like I, I like elephants. I, I want I like they're good things. They're beautiful to me. They, they <laughs> signify somebody very dear to me. So when yeah. I see an elephant in the room, I want to go hang out with that. I just, I don't want to, you know what I mean? Totally. Like, I don't want to go hang out with stiffs and be like, what's up with that elephant in the room? That's not the dude I am. I would like, I want to go hang out with the elephant because he's obviously, or that he or she, I don't, they, them, I don't mm-hmm. know whether that elephant is. But so with prison and coming out, now I'm personifying like, you know, what's wrong with America? <laughs> like how that's the biggest elephant in the room. It's fucking I'm Hannibal. That is C. Fausto Cabrera, a poet, writer, activist, visual artist, tattooer, who I discovered recently. I'm Dave Marr. This is this is Your Afterlife. And recently I was editing some author readings for the announcement of the Writing Freedom Fellowship. This is a fellowship sponsored by Haymarket Books. I was editing these readings as part of the announcement of the fellowship. And I heard, well, I'll just play it for you. I heard this poem by Chris. When Lazarus walks, beneath trees my underground gives birth. Cicadas emerge, a glass vial of broken beads shook amongst murmuring spectators. Can't imagine, I don't know what I'd do. You're so brave. Now I gotta sift through the dumpster behind McDonald's to uncrumple the kid you lost along the way. Under hallowed knees, I saw through the shaken sediment. You let settle, sedimentally. Wow, you must be grateful. Just think what you were saved from. Praise the walls, brick and mortar, the chains. Hey, could you float us a couple of notes, you know, to get started? While we wade through the water, until God troubles the water, baptize me in your attention. Oh, tell us more about your dead mother and wayward father so I can teach my kids a lesson so we can twist and turn a little before dinner. Lord, the one you love is sick. I walked the night without excuse, stumbled without reason. I'd fallen asleep. Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad was not there. Let us go to him. Jesus wept. We're so proud of you, surviving that zoo. Such violence left behind. It is left behind, right? Well, okay. God bless. My grave clothes kept, strung across a new wall where once coiled a razor pulled through my horizon. Everything matters at a certain point, but only once I walk, never to escape the smell. 
rob my grave, but please stop asking what death was like. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, whoa, I had to have this guy on the podcast. I don't know. I just knew. And we had a great conversation. His sentence was commuted in December. After being in prison for 20 years, he has been out for six weeks. And that's a lot. There, there's a lot of change happening there. And this is a full and discursive conversation. And I had a blast talking with him. And I also want to say there's a thing I experience, and I assume other people must as well. When I hear about someone, and this is as an abolitionist, someone who believes prisons and police should not exist, I hear about someone who is incarcerated or was incarcerated, and my first thought is, what was the charge? What was their case? And we're not talking about that this podcast. I think it's important to listen to incarcerated and formerly incarcerated people for what they're talking about now. You know, Chris's story is is out there. You go to his website, there is a book written about teaching writing in prisons and he is profiled in that book. I listened to it. I listened to the the audiobook and and his profile. And so that stuff is out there. But today, in this episode, we are talking about the afterlife, we're talking about belief, we're talking about hope, we're talking about the many moments of transformation Chris has gone through and is actively fucking going through right now. That said, in addition to his website where you can find so much of his fantastic work, he also had hella shoutouts to give. So let me try to get through those. We have the Minnesota Prison Writing Workshop which he is a part of, which recently published a collection of essays called American Precariat. Also, Until We Are All Free, which is a human rights organization focused on building capital resources and support to pathways to civic and economic liberation. Also, We Are All Criminals, which is a nonprofit, kind of a storytelling nonprofit dedicated to challenging society's perceptions of what it means to be criminal. I will link the Haymarket Writing Freedom Fellows website in the show notes. And his website, that, that the poems are fantastic, man. His social media profiles are in the show notes as well. Also in the show notes is the link to the Patreon. This is where you can go at patreon.com slash Dave Marr and pay me 5 or $15 a month to keep making the show. So if you believe in this show, if you're a longtime listener, or if this is your first time, you get through, and at the end you want to check out the show notes and become a Patreon donor, that would be fucking rad. Immediately when you join, you get access to an extended version of this conversation where we talk a lot more about Chris's work and about tattoos. I'm very into Ink Master right now, so we talk about that. And you get all those bonus episodes. Additionally, if you become a Pigeon patron at that $15 level, I will shout you out on the podcast. Those people are G, Barry Fontenot, Shuba Singh, Debo, Fred Fidoa, and Katie Llewellyn. Thank you to them. Thank you for listening. And I just started an Instagram for the show. At This Is Your Afterlife on Instagram, 
going to try to make it more than just a static promo page for the show. Go ahead, click follow on that. That's all I've got. Thanks for listening. I'm stoked for you to hear this conversation between me and C. Fausto Cabrera. Paint your hell. A custom hell designed for you. And I don't want to make any, there's some, speaking of elephants in the room, there's some very obvious things I could assume, but yeah, I want. But I've already been there in the, sure. to a real place. Sure. Yeah, a very real place. Yeah. Yes. yes it's very, it's definitely linked to uh, a memory. And uh, so, well, okay. And I'll preface it with this and because um, it's a two prong answer. You seen, remember the Black Mirror movie with John Hamm? oh wow yeah that was it when they put the little when they put when he trains the lady and puts her in the pod and then yes by like okay look this is how i'm going to teach you this lesson he touches a button and she had been sitting there like silent for 15 years or something right according to her consciousness but it was for him it was like a seconds yes he explained to her like you're in an egg this is your and (laughs) it's just like they're limp 15 years, the consciousness of this person sat mm. in this limbo and it was like, and they were nuts. And by the time he came back, she was just like, I'll do whatever you want because right, I'm just thirsty right. for social. So for one, I think that is like the metaphysical thing that I think you're looking for. No, I'm not looking for anything. It's up to you no, to no, answer I mean, however you want. Yes. Right, right, right. No, I mean, expectations wise, but right. well, my projections of you, sorry. Yes. As, no, as no, the no, avatar no. of the interviewer. <laughs> Um, but for me, the literal was there's, I went to SEG, uh, for five days and they, and I was in this, it was this room. It was called, it's called a, a dry room because they accused me of swallowing something like, so, uh, like I, like I tried to like swallow something. So they had, they right. put me in the dry room and for five days, like I had to, there's no water in the cell. I had to ask for permission because the toilet had like this. medieval contraption on it with the lock on the top so like the prison toilets are already terrible and grotesque but this fucking thing was on top of it it was locked so i'm in a room for five days with nothing and and i have to ask for permission to you know relieve myself regardless that that that's that was literal yeah that was the worst it got is the idea that they're gonna you're gonna piss or shit or puke something out that they'll find right yes okay. that was the okay. idea allegedly right yet day five i asked the, the you know the higher up that finally came i said why the fuck did you have me in that thing what was the point of that and he said what so what do you mean what why the fuck did you have me in a dry cell? um oh you weren't even supposed to be in a dry cell i didn't know anything about it Jesus. And I'm, like, I'm like are you fucking kidding me like, so, like, the, it was just the asshole guards that were on staff were just doing this, like. Well, that like, feels. Who gave that order? Like, who who said that? that yeah. That, I mean, that feels as hellish as being there in the first place. Yeah. So you're dealing with characters like this, and you're like, and, but these are the people that you see every day at Walmart. And, like, these are the people that, like, you know, these are the nine to fivers, like, getting their sick off and. The joint, which there's a special place in hell for them too, probably. I don't know. <laughs> that's their own piece, but yeah. So that for me, yeah, yeah, that's literal, yeah. And then you know, okay, and let me say, let me prep, let me go back and just 
it's not a preface. I fucked up. I should have said it before. Uh, I I don't. I'm not a victim. You know, I'm not. I don't want to come across like uh, poor me because you know I acknowledge and part of my struggle and my my point is to you know be accountable for the things that I've done, the terrible things I've done. So I never want it to uh, come across that you know I'm making excuses or um, you know I'm, I'm wilding in victimhood from the state. You know that punished me for you know it's I am obviously at fault and I am 100% accountable for all of that you know and this is was a terrible place and yeah. it didn't do any good and it could be better you know it could be better because you know we're not even allowed to address the fact of why we're even there in the first place so each individual you know situation is different yet the state law in will you cannot contact your victims. You can't do, basically you can't mm. do anything to resolve the situation. So you're just at the mercy of the state. So like the whole absurdity of how, you know, victims voices are even drowned out, you know, in, in, the, in the process. So that's the advocacy work. So what do you hope happens when you die? Yeah, that's a good, that, I like, did you tweak that? What do you hope happens when you die? No, no, no. That's, that's, that's been there from the beginning. Has it? Okay. I love the phrasing. What do I hope? I, you know, I'm, Thank you very I'm much. hoping that uh, I have some autonomy. I, I think, I believe, um, I believe like this is absurd to even think that we could even you know, pen this down. And, oh, yeah, you're you're a romantic era guy. You would understand. That. Remember that uh, John Keats's phrase of negative capability. Yeah, yeah. So I've been, you know, I studied that a couple years back and took a deep dive because it was like some shit that just jarred. You know, just what it jarred me awake, right? Just the uncertainty of things, and it and it was, um, you know, tethered to all the things that I were going, I was going through at the time, and it's such a universal uh idea of like what yo you know yogis are about and you know this new health and wellness and mental health it, it's just that whole understanding of being able to uh you know exist outside your own persona you know and, and, and that negative capability just to you know be there and absorb the you know energy of others and the and you know the, the curiosity that leads to that direct empathy as close as you can get um so for me that informs a lot as far as in being okay with not knowing these things yet, yet like knowing some truths and like being like yeah yeah i know something's going on behind that curtain and it's it's great because nobody's come back and also like i i've lost people that are over there so i understand the idea of like the need to create a heaven or this idea mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. you know what i mean so i can acknowledge that and know that but if it's not that i'm okay with that too or if it's this Okay, I'm you know I'm not necessarily cool with like just some white guy to be Santa Claus in a beard sitting on a throne, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. With, with blonde haired blue eyed Jesus sitting there like right mm -hmm. next to him. Like I, not necessarily, but I don't have to be either, and I don't have to like shit on other people, you know. And and so what I believe and and what I hope is going to happen is some autonomy. Like I think like um, 
you know, I, I do believe in reincarnation in a sense of like resurrection, because obviously, you know, what we're talking about is it's about resurrection, you know, and the poem and, and all of this just reemerging from these things that happen to you that, that throw you off course. So I would like to believe that, you know, um, there's an intertwining energy in the soul. And, and like the more I get it older, I just the more I understand, like everything is just energy, you know, and, okay. and that's it's a universal like principle like everything's like well no shit it's energy but like that's right. one of the things like you didn't see when you were young you didn't understand negative energy versus positive energy you misread it you know like now you get a little older you can kind of see the energy coming at you you know when it, especially when it comes and manifests through other people so i would like to think that that's palpable, you know, that that's something that's connecting and that we're there. There's, you know, odd, these odd connections with your own family members that have passed and whether it's triggered through memory. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know, like the science of things, like the, the science of things will explain God one day, but it won't, like, it won't, whatever, in God is such a universal term. Sure, sure. With the science of things, whether it's triggered through a memory that opens a portal of file cabinets where we could just go into a fucking Zoom meeting anytime <laughs> we want, just stop, like, stop time and hey, hey, Dave, what are you doing? You know, like, hey, yeah. what are you doing? Playing golf? Oh, yeah, because you're so your streams of consciousness are on such different levels that you could be having 18,000 Zoom meetings at the same <laughs> fucking time. That's your heaven is 18,000 Zoom meetings. I'm just saying the, 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 the schematics of these ideas, yeah, yeah. Right? like you could go down a fucking rabbit hole. Well, how mm -hmm. would that work? Would you have to ask for Dave's permission first or would you, would he just be, you know, whisked away? And so I don't, I don't fucking know. You know what I mean? Like I, what I hope, I hope I have a choice. I hope I have some autonomy. I, I used to have this vision or this thought and I still kind of articulate it. It's out there in space a little bit, but I have this memory that, you know, you know how you remember a dream, but like, it's not like it's hazy or, or like you have this memory, but you can't remember if it's a memory or a dream, but it just kind of emerged one day. And it was like me standing in a cliff with the presence. And I, and I knew I was coming down and I knew it was going to be hard this trip. Like for some reason in that, for me, feeds into my own narrative that I want to believe and that I've crafted and that I'm holding on to is that I'm here for a purpose, you know, and I'm coming down and it's going to be hard. It feeds into my stoic energy, um, but that it's worth it. And I signed up for this and I have a responsibility, you know, like whatever it, yes, it's going to be hard, but it's supposed to be hard. Like it's, it's supposed to be hard. So I don't like the idea of going into a place without that. Like, like, who am I? And this speaks to even post-incarceration now. It's like, who am I? Who am I without my sadness? Who am I? Speaks right. to depression. Who am I without my depression? You know what I mean? Like, because I, I suffer from depression and anxiety as well. And, you know, I remember we didn't grow up with this language. So I didn't right. know. I thought I was just an asshole. Like, I thought I didn't know it was irritable. <laughs> I didn't know it was irritable because of depression. Like, I just thought these <laughs> fucking dudes that I was hanging out with were annoying me too much. So I had yeah. groups. Like, Meanwhile, all of you are anxious and depressed, but you're just, but it's there's too much, like, you know, masculine, tough guy energy. Everyone's just like, why are all these guys bugging me? And it's like, you're right? fucking depressed. Man. Right. You're yeah. fucking depressed. You're going through something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You don't speak about that. But now people do. So it's, you know, it's a great thing. And, and, uh, uh yeah. Well, let me ask you this as a, you know, you're talking about negative capability and uh, sometimes 
you, you know, you talked about the phrasing of this question. Obviously, the the traditional way people would ask this is like, what do you think happens when you die? You know, but I say hope because partially because if someone's an atheist, I want to allow them to like give a slightly different answer than like, well, nothing, you know, but yeah, also yeah. because there is, I'm, I'm just, I'm curious what your relationship to hope is. I'm curious how much of your interest in negative capability is cultivated because to be in prison for 20 years, you know, I would imagine cultivating a relationship with the unknown, cultivating yeah. a relationship with hope, and maybe it's choosing not to have hope or something. But like, yeah. what what is your relationship with those things? And do you think this like fascination with negative capability comes from that sort of being suspended in time? Or, or am I even... Am I even wrong in saying that being in prison is being suspended in time? No, 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 no. That's, I mean, it's accurate. It's not, uh, I mean, it's not like it's not going to be the only phrase that we say yes. ever, ever yes. again. Like, it's right. not that profound where you just nailed it. But it's, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But I, absolutely, it's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, could you repeat the question, though? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just like, just what's your relationship with hope? with the unknown like it, it's you know sometimes people will give like uh, no one no one says streets of gold but sometimes we'll be like oh i hope i can see my family members oh there's this one chicken place that i would love if this chicken was available in the afterlife that would be the best and you're talking more about like i don't know exactly and i want to be okay with not knowing yeah. 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 Oh, so what does hope look like in the context of that? Yeah. And I think like hope is beautiful in the terms to where it doesn't have to be specific to me. Like, I feel like hope and, all, and I think all the things we were talking about are tethered by uh, faith or my idea or my definition of what faith means and, mm -hmm. and the power of faith in whatever it may be, whether it is, you know, a certain religion, a certain person, you know, an idea, a concept, work, whatever. You know, where do people put their faith and and how is faith uh, negotiated and distributed uh, distributed through their lives? And for me, like faith is tied to that hope. It's like there's the faith. I got to a point to where even in because uh, in the very beginning, I, I did pick up the Bible and read it cover mm. to cover you know, a couple, you know, a couple of different times. And I got into because I was dealing I was I was dealing with the fact that I, you know, taken somebody away from this earth, you know, so. For me, there was a morality to that. So I did seek out a, a, the idea of religion because I didn't grow up with that. So like, you know how you get when you're inherited something, it's a different take when you when you yeah. come up age and you're in your 20s and you're starting to question things and you're like, holy shit. Like, but I didn't grow up with anything. Like, I didn't even know what Easter was when I got incarcerated. Wow. It was like, a, well, I mean, I under, I saw the pictures and it's like, I didn't know yeah, what, what yeah. that meant, though. It's just like this dude on a tree. Like, I, I didn't even, I don't even remember thinking about it even. Like, oh, mm -hmm. okay. Jesus has risen or Christ has risen. I don't, <laughs> right. The fuck's the Easter buddy got to do with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was completely ignorant. So coming to that and coming to the terms of, okay, well, is there a morality aspect to this? I got time. Let me th think about this. So stepping into the Christian space, like I'm comfortable in that space because I, I read a lot about it and 
and uh, had my own personal journey through the church. And um, so, I, you know, there's there's Christian undertones, but for me, it's more or less like since I wasn't indoctrinated, I was yeah. able to like the things that came, I was able to piecemeal. Oh, right. yeah, I like that. I like that. You know, like that doesn't sound right to me. No, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> like, yeah. no, absolutely not. Like that, you know, so yeah, and I feel like that's what, you know, we're getting into the age of spirituality where it's okay to do that, you know, so uh, you don't necessarily have, and I think, and I love that, you know, astrology, astrology is it's fucking fascinating. Like, how do they know that about me? Like my, my, my sign. <laughs> What's like, your sign? I'm a Libra. And then, uh, okay. Uh, Gemini moon. And, uh, I think it's, uh, Scorpio rising. I'm Maybe Scorpio I, rising too. Yes. I'm a lot of Scorpio underneath. You got yeah. that. It's, it's the, it's the, the combativeness with the world. You're trying to butt heads yes. and figure shit out, you know? Yes. yes. That's what I relate to deeply. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, getting into that shit and just not knowing, but that's it's all like hope. And so hope for me, it doesn't have to be as specific, but it will manifest in something. Right. Because okay. it, it, it's under the umbrella, like abstract and concrete when you, you get closer to things. Um, yeah, I I just know I'm going to be okay. You know, I, so I suppose hope is like, it's one of them things like you look back, James Baldwin had a great quote, you know, in, in something to where it's like, when you th- look back or how far you've come, there's nothing that you have to worry about. Like, you just look back and be like, oh, okay. Like I endured that. Like that's, so I can't even, so as I'm walking in and, you know, being criti- critical uh, and analyzing things, like we have this mind, Again, like I thought I was just, my aunt used to say, uh, you, oh, you bitch about everything. All you do is bitch, 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 bitch. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, yeah. I mean, and then later on, I became a writer and a critic. So now yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, that's, that makes sense. Funeral planning. Do you have thoughts about how you want it to be, what you want it to look like, or things you definitely don't want? Yeah, I'm just going to disappear, I think. I, you know, this is not a very, this is almost like an immature prison answer, but but I've, but it, since this is the first time I've confronted it in the world, the free yeah. version of myself, yeah. we're just going to test this out. So let me just sprinkle in there that there's two different people now that I have to figure out, right? There's the prison me that's been incarcerated 20 years thinking about what the world's going to be like. And, you know, you're sitting there, you make these decisions. You're like, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to and this is how it's going to be in your mind. You can't help it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you get out and you're like, OK, this is not how I think. <laughs> sure, sure. There's Zoom here. Right. This is not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like there's so many things I knew I didn't know yet, you know, but discovering them is great. So, um. And it's just, it's such a, uh, I don't know, an invigorating journey because now I have to figure out who I am out here too, right? So mm-hmm. I have to figure out, you know, who I am within this space now because nobody's worried about, nobody's watching to make sure I don't jump the fence or like right. count my socks anymore. So who am I outside in this space, you know? And and, and what am I supposed to be, um, uh, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, what am I supposed to be? trying how am i supposed to carry this this past thing 
Uh, so these answers are still prison answers to a degree. Yeah, sure. So my funeral, I was thinking like, I'm just going to, it depends on how wealthy I get, I suppose, and how much shit I have to transfer property wise uh -huh. and like my affairs business wise. I, I my, my, my ideal exit strategy is going to be if something happens to where th this is okay. Let me not say this is my exit strategy. This is my plan. If something happens and I'm like, nope, not do it. Like I get ball cancer or like ass cancer. So, you know, something that's like, nope, I'm good. Or like somebody dies and I really know that I can't go through with it. Okay. Exit strategy. I'm just going to go ahead and distribute my wealth, right? Through the people that I love, slide uh -huh. up, have a dinner, say you're here, and then, you know, have it to where so they can't stop me. And then I think I'm just going to go on a boat, man, and just like go. I don't know. Do party drugs maybe and some liquor. I don't, <laughs> just just I don't crash a boat, just be the only person on a boat. Is that what you're saying? A nice little boat that they'll find. You know, they'll find it eventually. Just keep on going. <laughs> you know, possibly eat a bullet. I don't know. Eating a bullet though is like terrible to me. Like I feel like it if I just like drift off and like fall into the ocean. Like I, think, I feel like that'd be a peaceful, <laughs> be a okay. peaceful thing. I do you know want I mean? to point out that I can tell this is a prison answer because I it asked is. about your funeral and you're talking about taking yourself out. <laughs> oh, you, oh, and I'm talking about my death. <laughs> you're, you're talking about how you want how you want to end it if oh, things it get too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even catch that. That's exactly where my mind went. Like, I I'm, know I'm like, answer. what sort of food do you want? Who do you want to speak? And you're like, I'm, I'm getting on a boat. I'm falling into the ocean. I'm, yeah, I'm talking about estate planning and shit. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you're thinking about that. I don't get fuck. That's not up to me. That's you're no kidding. Like, okay, so look, Dave, I'm not going to think about something that I don't have to deal with. All right, so okay, what would fair. I like my funeral to be. What would I like my funeral to be? I mean, filled with loved ones. I mean, I don't. Okay. Want to, I want to make people cry. Like, <laughs> I want them to fair. really miss. Me. Fair, fair. I want them to be. Women would be so in pain that they're crouched over in the aisles because they can't they because they can't fathom me leaving <laughs> the, the earth. <laughs> I want all like all of them, and then I want everybody. Yeah. Like, okay, wait, like in, in like like gut wrenching tears. Like. What's your coma? And by this, I just mean any moment of transformation where before you're one version of yourself and after you're another. This is another question where there's a very obvious answer here, but I also want to give you permission to be like, I think everybody has multiple coma moments and some of them are very minuscule. Some of them are tiny. They hear a song and everything changes, you know? So whatever whichever of those moments you want to talk about now, that's what I he want to hear about. So what's your coma? And yeah, no, and I appreciate that permission because I definitely, I have like six of them and I'm just going to rattle them off real quick because, you know, the big one is the big one. It's one of them. But, you know, for me, it was the death of my mother was the first one. When I was 12. So she died. She was 32 and died of cancer. And then my father wasn't around. So for me, it triggered that, you know, that darkness and, that depth and, you know, I already had with the, the biological thing. So 10 years later, I kind of spiral out of, out of my own at 22. You know, I catch this case, uh, I'm out drinking and, you know, not living, living the street life and, uh, carrying guns and selling drugs and shit like that. And just, you know, go to a bar and, and, and 
goes all bad. That's the next one. Uh, and then the right after that, going to prison was the next one. Like that was the next thing it was the social death. Like there's a lot of a lot of uh, discussion about, uh, you know, with social contracting, so the social death, like with slavery, you know, linked back with slavery. It's it's real because in prison, like you get that you go, you do die. Like it's over. Like it's you go to this place and you're nobody seeing you and you watch your own death. You see your own funeral. And that's there's layers to that as well. Like it's just so socially, like people, there's just people I just stopped talking. Like I'd never talk to again, or, or I didn't know what happened to them. Like it's you know, and so everybody else is growing up, and then you know, you know that you're it's worth it. And then you're out here and you know you're here because people do reach out and they can reach out, but you literally watch the world go on without you. So it's like you know, being awake during your coma, you know, so and watching all the you know interaction and and uh but like in a shameful way, in the most shameful way, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. like you deserve to be here. Um, so, so, so yeah, then that and then now, you know, all the small ones along the way of just like deciding what to do about, you know, my time and decisions. And then it's just getting out and then getting out is this brand new one. And it's like, it's, just, um, it's like it's like a bad dream, like 21 years just didn't happen, you know, and it's so so that coma yeah it's and that's what i love about the universal concept of that because that's those it's an epiphany like it's it's just the it's capsulized crystallizing that epiphany and that's those epiphanal moments and and i plan to have at least 10 more of them actually yes. so at least when hopefully I, yeah right and i i appreciate you sort of taking through the narrative there and and what I normally ask someone when when there's like one, you know what I mean? Like, oh, my abortion was 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 this negative coma. You know, usually you hopefully usually we're making something positive on the other end. But, you know, uh, but so I'll normally ask, like, OK, how were you before and how were you after? But the thing that you're describing is like there's so much turmoil and there's so much change. And obviously when you come out, the thing you're not trying to rediscover is this idea of a pure 11 or 12 year old you, you're, you're, you're forming a new version of yourself. And so what, what's going into that for you? How much do you feel like you have control over? How much do you feel like, cause you're still at the beginning. Like how long have you been out? Um, six weeks. Wow, man. Yeah, I got so I got the governor. I got the pardon uh, on the nineteenth, and, and and then I didn't get released till the fifth. So nineteenth uh, of December. Yep, they guys gave me the pardon on the nineteenth. Yeah, or well, it was kind of like a part. It was a commutation. So okay. I shouldn't even be here. I still got seven more years. I'm supposed to be in. <laughs> okay, well we'll, we'll keep that quiet, man. Well, yeah, don't, well, no, everybody knows. It's, no, it's, I know. Well, I know. It's official now. Like, yeah. yeah, trust me. I carried the I carried the paperwork with me for a little bit. But. <laughs> <laughs> just in case somebody was like, no, we forget, we we changed our mind already. But no, but uh So being aware of these sort of coma moments, like these these huge ones that anyone would be like, well, yeah, going to prison, both going in and coming out would be would be comas. What is the process of forming an identity for you? Well, I mean, and part of that is um is simple. It's easy, it's less complicated because while you're in there, you're stripped of everything many times and like you lose things many times like i've lost i'm a type i'm a person and you know i mean you 
the reset, the coma. So people don't understand what it is to have lost everything before, right? Like a lot of people don't. Like they still have shit from when they were kids. You know, they have their parents' furniture. They have like, you know, inherit the inheritance is real. You know, people don't understand that shit. So that rite of passage that um, that you find yourself in this thing and you have to really just figure out who you are. Like, you know, even for me, it was, you know, physical fitness, even like doing burpees in the cell and working out and to try to keep, you know, my body pure, whatever holistic th thing that was. So you develop this core of like, and you get older, like what do you do in thirties and forties, you start figuring out what you like and you don't like. And you're like, I absolutely do not like that. And that <laughs> defines me. I'm never going to be the type of person who just like, oh uh, yeah. Which let me shout out to Dylan Rodriguez for the whole propaganda thing. I, yeah. the, Cause that shit's so real. I, oh my God. I, I just want to talk to the brother about the, cause Dick Wolf, the whole thing I've been, thinking talking about that for years and just the whole propaganda of you know mainstream tv and you still see it but yeah the whole i was in a i was in two dick wolf shows i see I was, yeah i've seen that on your resume chicago man chicago pd chicago pd was the one that was right before um right before pandemic hit and right before my sort of reawakening politically post like the uprisings in 2020 yeah. and i was like well Damn, I got, you know, I, it was an undercover grubby looking cop, but I technically played a cop in this thing. I got, I got to donate some money to a bail fund or something. Oh man, you got to, you just took a hit to your street cred. I didn't want to look at it. I was kinda, look, in my mind, I was hoping, okay, either he was a, a perp or whatever the fuck they wanted the word. He was a cop or he was a snitch or, oh, I gotta be, Hey man, I, I don't think I had that much street cred. So I, I don't, I don't mind taking hits. I, I mean, that's pretty the low street. I'm just credit. saying there was no good options in my mind. No, my mind, totally. Unless you could have been like a like a murder victim, I guess. Would have been, <laughs> yeah, that's the best is to be a victim. First. Yeah. Yeah. You could have been like, because then you could have been like, yeah, I can respect that. You know, that shit happened. And it, <laughs> it, everybody else in the show, it's terrible. It's terrible. No, it's uh, yeah. The, those that's uh, yeah. So that copaganda shit is real. Oh, that shit's real. So real. Um, but you're talking about track. My bad. Uh, no, you're good. You're you're talking about forming who you are. You're talking about really seeing your death on the inside. Yeah, and the identity that you get from that is deeper. You've gone deeper now. You've reflected deeper than eighty-five percent of the population, probably. Mm -hmm. And not not because they're simple-minded or that. Because you get out here and you figure out that fuck. You got to go figure out how to pay the rent. You got to go. You got to take care of your kids and you got to like, there's so many different layers of things that need to be done that you don't really have time to just study, like, you know, or figure out who you are or how you feel about things, much less, you know, articulate a well-rounded identity of uh, standards and values, but which mine are very skewed because they were all prison shit. So like, for me like snitching is always going to be a thing like you could never like don't ever tell on me ever or like like that's you know what i mean like just the whole concept is like you inherited that we inherited but i'm walking out of the joint knowing who i am and finally being comfortable with whatever you know um like comes my way so it's not i'm curious about things but like i know who i am and maybe what are some of those specific things that you know about yourself 
like I know that, um, you know, I'm not going to run from things. I know I'm not the type of person to run. I know that uh, I know I'm not afraid of the work. I know I'm afraid not to do the work, you know, shit like that. I mean, you know, stuff like that's just grounding and stabilizing muscles, you know. Uh, and then knowing I'll be okay, knowing that if I die, that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, no, I knowing that the world will go on and I'm not leaving anybody stuck. Like, I'm not leaving them behind. I think there's a lot of, like, fear of death and what people are afraid to talk about is that, you know, that they're really just afraid to leave the people behind. Like, they're going to, it's that, oh, you're they're going to need me. But, like, once you experience that social death and you figure out that nobody really needs you. Like, I mean... <laughs> Like they love you and like you're great, but they don't really need you. Like if you just disappeared, like they'd be fine, bro. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> suicide aside, like people that were like, I really needed that person, so I'm gonna follow them. Right. Respect to them, and I'm sorry for that heartache. But like, people are fine. Like with that, when you leave and you're out of the equation, everybody in your life is gonna figure it out. Like you know what I mean? Like so, knowing that, like I, I don't have a fear of death because you see, what I'm saying, so it's not tethered to this idea that. My kids are going to fall apart and nothing's going to run smooth. Who's going to take the trash out on Tuesdays or, you know, the whole system's going to fall apart without me. I think, I don't know. I, I think that heightens people's fear. Yeah. But what does need you mean? Like it, it, for sure, the trash is going to get taken out at some point, but, but that doesn't mean people don't need you or don't prefer a world with you. You oh, know, Absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm I'm talking about your own, how you carry that own projection though, is my point. It's, it's how you carry that idea of control, that how people need me. I if it wasn't for me that you know what I mean? And I think that it's a humility. Afraid to talk about death and to think about to, to confront that concept because they have to confront the fact that they won't won't be needed, you know, or like they might the world might move on without that's the spirit of the thing I'm saying. Now, specifically, mm. of course, people need. I need a no, lot. No, no, no. I need everybody in my life. I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, sugar. I'm never like, oh, I we be. Fine. I'm just talking about the elasticity of the human experience, like in the elasticity of the soul and how people adapt and move on when they lose things, you know, and they lose their loved ones, and like knowing that I'm coming at it from the angle where I'm going to be the one leaving, you know, I know everybody's going to be fine, and you know. That, that that type of sense. I mean, I, I you know. yeah. I mean, the thing that I am really glad you're bringing up is the fear of death because this whole show comes from my fear of death. You know, I'm trying to figure out what I'm so afraid of. Why there, there's a real element of please, someone solve this for me, and yeah. and and part of it I think is just not being able to fathom not 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 being conscious yeah and and that and that fucks me up does that i I mean the experience of social death does Mm. that address the lack of consciousness because you're still aware when you're experiencing social death so is there still fear there or was there ever any fear there were you like if i'm not thinking i'm not thinking if i don't know i'm not here it doesn't bother me well, I think it speaks to what we're talking about too on two different levels. Like you have the cerebral intellectual level processing things, but you have the also the thing that lives in your body. Like that's real. And mm-hmm. not only just your physical being, but you know, that soul, the gut, your intuition, all these things that we don't even understand, the senses, 
you know, that. So, and that's the emotional, you know, elements of it. So like thinking too, I don't know, broadly in terms of um, like just saying that we, we have to, inter- cause like at what point would you say, oh yeah, that makes sense. And I'm done asking the question, you know, like yeah, at what point course. can I sit here and tell you like, oh, you know, Jesus is a dude named James and I can call him for you. And you're going to be like, <laughs> oh yeah, do that. And then it's just get all your problems. You know what I mean? Like you'll never, so knowing and feeling is, so for me, it's like there's a negotiation or or like a compromise between knowing like, okay, you're not going to know the details, but how does it feel? You know? So it's like the gut and like the feeling in my body. Cause even like dealing with like I experienced some shit that I couldn't prepare for at all. And I have been preparing for 10 years is that like panic attacks coming out of the joint. Like mm-hmm. we all you know, they're real, you know, they're coming. Like, you know, things are coming. Like, you know, you're preparing for it. Guys go to Walmart for the first time and just get catatonic, like shit like that to where like, and I, you know, everybody hears about it, but you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Feeling it is a whole different thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you have that feeling, and in your body, you're stuck, like, or in your body, like, and in your mind's like, and you can't even tell anybody about it. And people are like, are you okay? What's going on? And you're like, great. Like, in, you yeah. know, so I think like, you know, confronting these things, I'm trying to figure out like, what's my equity here? How much time and energy can I put into this? Cause like even these questions, like, and this is what's profound about this and great. Cause like, how many people really even know what they think about, you know, the afterlife? They don't know until somebody asks them. Mm-hmm. Then they start, you know, rambling or they listen to the show and they start thinking. But then, you know, people don't think about, you know, what they don't know what they, you know what I mean? Yeah. Are there, What's what, it? what other things do you know? You, what are, are there things, you know, you don't like, like what, what little, like, are you like, I hate the taste of this. Or beets, beets. I don't fuck with beets because they used to give them to us all the goddamn time. No more boiled really? eggs. Beets, boiled eggs. Oh my god, cool hand, Luke. That's it's a funny. That's real. <laughs> One of the one man shows I did was set in the afterlife. And one of the premises of this afterlife is that you get to fully relive one memory, like a room that you can pop into and out of whenever you want. You're not stuck there. You have other memories, but this is the one you get to live particularly vividly. So if you did have to be in an afterlife where you got to relive one memory, what one memory would you choose? Okay, look, this okay. So now this might be the, you're gonna have to help me with this. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, uh, like cancelability. Like, I don't know, like, forgive my, you know, like, sure, let me sure. be honest. Like, this, cause look, there's, I've been incarcerated for 21 years without <laughs> women, right? So, yeah, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind what the, the, the reality of it. I know I understand the spirit of the question, and I love like hearing other people's like, Oh, the memory of me and my dad playing catch. And and it's like, it's, it's great and warm. And, everything. and here I'm thinking about, I'm sorry, man. It's just got to be 
the best sex I've ever had. Like it's that's the well, that's, take me take me there as as much as you like, want to share. That's that's a valid answer. I mean, like you know, like the the best, like whatever your pivotal line was. Mine was last night, so I'm I'm good. Like I okay, like, okay. Look, I'm just saying. So I'm, I can't I can't fathom because I know myself too, and I know like for me that's the only sustaining thing I can think of that like I know I've never been like no I think I'm gonna be good with that. Now there's various levels of that that you could be like no I'm good with this segment of the population. Like my taste get more particular, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But like, I can never see myself thinking like, okay, I'm over that. I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. Whereas like everything else that I could think of memory wise, even time with people, like it's so, it's so, um, it's so broad that I, I couldn't even say that I would live in one because then I would miss the other people. Like I couldn't say, I want to go see my mom again. And, mm-hmm. Cause it, I don't even know what if me and my mom fell out when, you know, later, like, I don't know, like, you know what I mean? Like this yeah. is just one memory or projection. So I would say that, um, yeah, it would just have to be for the, ugh, that's such a creepy answer though. No, man. it's not. It's not a creepy answer, man. There's a, there's nothing cancelable about that. You're, we, we can have a horny show occasionally, you know? Oh my God. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to anybody who wants to book me on the podcast about <laughs> sexual repression. 20 years with sexual healing like like anybody that's listening to this that wants to put put a plug in because that's that's the that's the real healing that i need it's fucking it's, it's brutal like it's the, like the, the afterlife is that's if that's not the afterlife then i'm not i don't want to go i'm good that is the show if you want to hear the full conversation go to patreon.com slash dave marr and become a this is your afterlife patron You can check out Chris's work at his website and the organizations that he is a part of and supports at the links in the show notes. Follow him. Follow this show at This Is Your Afterlife on Instagram and check out the Writing Freedom Fellowship website. There are a lot of really cool writers touched by incarceration that are part of that project. And I'm very honored to have been a part of it. Thank you so much for listening. Tell a friend who'd love this show about it. And if you listen in Apple Podcasts, write a little review. I find those very encouraging. And until next week, remember, you are a mist.